The Nonprofit Happy Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space, located at 3636A North Mississippi Ave. We're open most days, 9 to 1. And be sure to check out our website for upcoming movie screenings and dinners with local media makers. I'm Rachel Miller Howard. On today's show, we're joined by Chris Anderson, who is a nonprofit leadership, communications, and development consultant. This is Phil Bossy. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM. I am joined in the studio by Chris Anderson, who has Chris Anderson Consulting. Um, by its name, <laughs> <laughs> you consult. It does what it says on the tin. That's right. And and so that that but that does mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come into nonprofits. Are you consulting about funding? Are you consulting about administration? Are you consulting about programs? Are you consulting about D all of the above? D all of the above in most cases. I I bill myself as a jack of all trades. Um, I tend to work with smaller organizations who may need a variety of services or may not necessarily know what they need. Um, I do a bit of leadership consulting, some fundraising and communications consulting. I help organizations with their strategic planning, and then I also do some philanthropic consulting. Um, that's a lot to pick apart. Mm-hmm. Let's start out with well, let's start. Why are you choosing to work in nonprofits? Like, couldn't you work in corporations and make more money? That's never really been a motivation for me. Uh, I started life as an academic, so I already made some poor life choices. I think. Um, and while I was working as an academic, I was moonlighting in the nonprofit world and finding a lot of meaning from it. So uh, it's really just been a matter of, of personal choice and values, I think. I mean, isn't some of this work stuff that the government should be doing? And why, why, <laughs> why, is, um, why are the nonprofits necessary? And, and, I mean, explain sort of that zone that you work in. Sure. Well, that's a, that's a great question and a very pointed one. Um, I think, you know, America has a very robust nonprofit sector explicitly because we have very poor levels of government funding for various different programs. And so nonprofits have emerged to fill in those gaps left by by robust government funding. Yeah, we don't really have a uh, military nonprofit. That's not a big sector, is it? No, no, that one is amply covered by the government, fortunately. So uh, that's, you know, that's one area that the nonprofits don't have to jump in on. So what that means is that there are a lot of nonprofits out there working um, really across the board on social issues and on arts and cultural issues and heritage and you name it. Um, and I think that in order to provide services efficiently and effectively, they need folks who can help guide them when they meet a challenge. And so that's really where consultants come in. And and you said that you come in and you talk about, you, you consult in part about leadership. Is there a key what makes a good leader or is it is it a dance with the organization that, that each organization needs a different type of leader? 
I think each organization needs a different type of leader. I think there's a lot of nuance to it. And I think that the best consultants can be humble about what an organization needs because you're not working on the inside of that organization. So you really have to be good at listening and um, really adapt to the circumstances well. And I think that that pertains to the eventual leader that the organization has too. So really, it really is adaptive to circumstance and to culture and uh, requires a lot of listening and empathy. How did you learn about leadership? I think by by being mentored by a number of great people. So both within my academic career and later uh, within the nonprofit world, I've I've been exposed to a lot of very different styles of leadership and to a lot of a lot of really um, I hate using the word inspirational because it's so cheesy, but a lot of really inspirational leaders. And so I think it's learning by example and by exposure to other great people. It's changed. This is not leadership of the 1980s that was very much of a pyramid of a strong personality, often a strong male personality. Um, part of diversity has also been diversity of leadership and, and cultural and different leadership styles. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what's really exciting about working in the nonprofit world right now is that it's I think we're at an all change moment. And maybe maybe that extends across society right now as well. But I think that we're really looking at an era where new leadership models are emerging and uh, formerly hierarchical structures are kind of breaking down and it's becoming a little bit more democratized. And we're really seeing a lot of new voices added into the mix and it's pretty exciting. So you said that you come into uh, nonprofits and some of them don't, they don't even know what they need. Is there a theme to the problems that they contact you with? depends on the organization. Um, I think for smaller organizations, they oftentimes need a multitude of, 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 they need work in a multitude of areas. So, you know, a lot of these um, issues tend to overlap. So fundraising is really closely connected to communications. It's also really closely connected to institutional leadership and board development. So a lot of those areas tend to intersect, and that's where I try to help out is just kind of strategizing along each of those fronts in a way that makes sense as a whole. Do you ever get called in and you just tell someone, like, maybe this is not fixable? I haven't yet. But I think that there are a lot of circumstances in the nonprofit world where the answer is a difficult one. It can be, you know, well, maybe you should consider merging with another nonprofit. I think that's a, an issue that a lot of nonprofits can consider and maybe should consider sometimes. Um, it's not something that I've encountered in my own consulting yet. Um, I'm kind of dreading the moment when I do. But I think that, that you know, I think there are a lot of tricky uh, sustainability questions out there in the nonprofit world. So. Chris Anderson is the consultant with Chris Anderson Consulting. That was a very clumsy way of saying it. I, you know, I need to work on my business name. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> <laughs> obvious can be good. I mean, that's that's part of marketing. Uh, you brought in some some music. Do you want to start with one of your songs? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I've been kind of in a cheesy frame of mind lately, and I'm also a little under the weather. And so these are kind of pick-me-up songs that I've chosen, but also ones that I think can at least tangentially be relevant to the nonprofit world. And so the first song that I've chosen was um, Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure, because I think it speaks to, well, a lot of the pressures that we all feel in our line of work. 
and a lot of the kind of anguish and emotiveness that kind of keeps us in this business. Um, yeah, and I don't know. It's just a really lovely, empathetic cry from the heart. It's just a great song. Let's take a listen.
This is the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm joined in the studio by Chris Anderson, who is a consultant for I, I, for local, for statewide, for how what what is your territorial range? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I mostly focus on local, but that's only because that's who's reached out to me. I would actually like to expand to more sp- statewide work. That's interesting because nonprofits in Portland are different than nonprofits statewide. There's different cultural workforce and funding challenges. And is is that uh, an issue that you've encountered that there is a concern from foundations that they don't want to consolidate all their funding to the Portland area? That is definitely a challenge that I think a lot of foundations are working really hard and have a long history of trying to mitigate. Um, My Memorial Trust, Murdoch Charitable Trust, Oregon Community Foundation are all really good at looking at a statewide lens. Oregon Cultural Trust, too. Um, All these funders really uh, work hard to apportion their funds across the state of Oregon, and I think that's been really helpful, not just in redistributing some of Portland's resources, and I realize that the word redistribution has a little bit of an interesting edge to it, Um, but redistributing some of Portland's resources, but also just making sure that as a state, as a whole, we have some sort of, you know, integral sense of interdependence, I guess. And 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 I think that's a nice way to talk about. So you uh, wrote a book, State of Giving, mm-hmm. co-authored. Um, talk about it a little bit. What 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 is the what is the gist of it? Um, I'm assuming this is not a novel that I'm going to curl up by the fireplace with. I beg to differ. It's <laughs> it's a heartwarming collection of stories about some of Oregon's greatest nonprofit leaders. Um, it it may not. It's not a novel. Um, <clears throat> it is a work of fact rather than fiction. Uh, it came about. Um, as a result of a partnership with Greg Chalet, who's the former president of the Oregon Community Foundation. And after 24 years in that role, he had a wealth of experience and knowledge. And when he retired, um, he really wanted to start trying to tell the story of Oregon's nonprofits and philanthropists. So he and I partnered up to um, do really the first statewide survey of Oregon's nonprofit culture. And in it, we profiled something like 70 different nonprofits from across the state. We interviewed over 350 donors and volunteers. And it's a really nice um, kind of cross-section of the good work that's happening in Oregon. And again, is there a theme that emerged? Is there a, a type of person that is that is giving, that is volunteering? I think there are a lot of different themes. Um, you know, Oregon is one of the... It ranks decently highly in terms of levels of philanthropy. It ranks highly as a state for volunteers. I think what really came across through this process was that there are a ton of needs out there, um, just as many in rural Oregon as there are in urban Oregon. And there, you know, there's a wealth of organizations and individuals who are trying to fill those needs. They are also being outstripped by demand. So, you know, there's there's a lot of work that we still have yet to do. I think one thing that I really came home with after doing a lot of panel discussions in rural communities around this book was that while there are a lot of amazing nonprofits working in rural communities, they're all pulling from a very small donor and volunteer core. So people are just really burning out. And I think that that's something that we as a society and as a state really need to think a little bit about how we can fund these organizations and fund these communities in a way that's more sustainable. And, and part of giving is that it is a relationship between the individual and the organization. Um, what are you finding that volunteers want? 
Well, interestingly, I think volunteers and donors are an increasingly overlapping sector um, and want similar things. So we see that donors are increasingly want, wanting to become more engaged in uh, in the organization. They're becoming more informed about the organization's work. They're becoming more evaluative. And I think volunteers want something similar. They really want to um, assess the value of what they're getting engaged with and participate in a way that's meaningful. And then I'm also, because I feel like it's an inevitable question these days, but uh, President Trump, has the new political culture, has that changed or actually maybe created opportunities for nonprofits? Uh, so that's a huge question. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a nuanced answer, so let's, let's buckle down for the long haul. Um, I think that there are a lot of new challenges facing the nonprofit sector under this new administration, regardless of your politics or your partisanship. Um, he's proposed or enacted budget cuts across a number of different sectors, which will increase demand for the nonprofits filling in the gaps there. Um, housing, arts, healthcare, you name it. Um, his new tax plan uh, is going to be very challenging on a number of levels, and I don't want to get too into the weeds here. But um, you know, first of all, it's going with the increased demand. On top of the increased demand to nonprofits, um, nonprofits will be suffering from funding cuts because of the increased standard deduction and the increased ceiling on the estate tax. So they're going to be getting between four and six percent less every year in donations. It's projected, uh, which means that uh, there will be layoffs. 240,000 people are anticipated to be laid off over the coming years in the nonprofit sector, and they will have fewer resources to fill in those service gaps, just as more people will be needing those services. You know, they anticipate that 13 million people, as a result of these cuts, will, will not have health care anymore, for example. And so you're going to rely on nonprofits to try and help fill in those needs, and we're going to have fewer resources for those nonprofits right at that moment. And then, of course, there's an economic downturn projected. So it's not exactly a rosy picture, but, you know, there are still silver linings. Can, can, can we try to find a, a little bit of a counterbalance? Sure. So uh, um, counterbalance, first of all, the Johnson Amendment, which preserves nonprofit nonpartisanship, is still intact. And that's a really great thing. Um, I think locally we can also look for um, a silver lining or not a silver lining. I think that we just have a lot of great stuff going on in Oregon and we've got some really powerful nonprofits and some really powerful private funders who are working really hard to mitigate some of this damage and doing some pretty innovative things in terms of uh, anticipating some of these shortfalls and really helping out. And then how about, um, let's just have a palate cleanser after talking about sure, Trump. Yeah. And, and how about a, how about another song? Okay, so my um, my second song uh, just makes me smile. Um, it is uh, the Pet Shop Boys cover of Go West. And there's a lot to like in this song. First of all, it's got a fake Russian choir, which feels kind of topical these days, right? Um, it has a message that I think really, it, like at a surface level, caters to a lot of the reasons why we all choose to live and work in Oregon. That's very optimistic. It talks about the clear air. It's very nice. Um, and I think it also kind of preserves this nice balance between optimism and tongue-in-cheekness, which is, I think, a helpful strategy for anybody who works in the nonprofit sector to bear in mind. Chris Anderson is a consultant for nonprofits in Oregon and the co-author of State of Giving.
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour. I'm Phil Busky. I'm talking with Chris Anderson, who is a consultant for nonprofits and the author of State of Giving, which is... Available for free on the Ford Family Foundation Select Books program to any residents of Oregon and Northern California. It is also purchasable through various different online book purveyors. Yeah, I, and I want to get into some of the other work that you do. You serve on the board of directors at Disjecta. Mm-hmm. Um, you are executive director for the Portland Clinic Foundation. Correct. Yep. And the grant chair for Multnomah Cultural Coalition. That's right. I am on the board of Con- Disjecta Contemporary Arts Center in Kenton, which is a really interesting, um, innovative organization that's trying to bring contemporary art to areas of Portland that doesn't often see it. So if you haven't all been up there, it's free entry, and I totally recommend that you go check it out. Um, I'm right, on, by the, right by Paul Bunyan. Right by Paul Bunyan, exactly. And uh, a number of fine watering holes as well, not including the dancing bear. I am on the cabinet of the Oregon Historical Society, which is uh, the ambassadorial board for, the, for OHS. They've got a really wonderful uh, exhibit on by the Oregon Black Pioneers right now about civil rights in Oregon, and that's another... It's a must-see, definitely, um, and it's, of course, free to residents of Multnomah County. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, of which I'm the Voluntary Grants Chair. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a really great funding resource for arts, cultural, and heritage organizations that are looking for small grants uh, to fund events and programming. The grants are really... Um, the, the application is easy. The um, program launches once a year, usually in September. You get your funding checks by November. We grant up to $2,000, and we are really desperately trying to reach um, more diverse communities with these grants, especially folks out in East County. So um, I would really encourage people to look up their website and consider applying. And and these are, are most all counties in Oregon have... A, a cultural coalition. Yep, that's right. So they're funded through the Oregon Cultural Trust, okay. um, which is another interesting program. But I, if you guys donate to arts and cultural organizations, you should also make that matching donation to the Oregon Cultural Trust for sure. The TPC Foundation, uh, unpack those letters for us. Sure. The Portland Clinic Foundation was created in 1963 and was more or less dormant until about two years ago when they decided that it was time to do something with this foundation. So it was created after a patient left a generous bequest way back in the day. And now we've we've kicked it off with our very first round of grants funding in 2017. So we accepted applications from nonprofits across Multnomah, Washington, and Clackamas counties. Our mission is to advance community wellness. And we, uh, you know, interpret that as widely as possible. So last year's grantees included the Coalition for Communities of Color, the North by Northeast Community Health Clinic, um, VOS Workers' Rights, Sexual Assault Resource Center, Shadow Project, which pr- provides adaptive learning technologies to kids. We're all over the place in the best possible way. So uh, we have just relaunched our uh, grants. So our 2018 grant application is, as of yesterday, now open. And I would really encourage folks to consider applying. We offer small, unrestricted, and that's like the magic word, unrestricted grants uh, between $500 and $5,000. And if you read Voulet's um, nonprofit AF blog, we really try to be the unicorn funder. So our grants are unrestricted, our application is easy, our reporting is easy, and we really try to work with nonprofits to fill their needs without being prescriptive in order to be accessible and to reach 
communities and um, and demographies that have been hard to reach before. Um, they really need to work on the accessibility of their grant application. They really need to make sure the doors are open as wide as possible. And that's something that we're trying to do, and that's something that I've seen funders across the board really trying to do now, too, is make simplify those applications, um, increasingly move towards unrestricted funding opportunities. Portland Clinic Foundation's grant applications will be open until April 11th. They're open to nonprofits based in the Tri-County area, and we would definitely recommend that you go to our website, which is theportlandclinic.com slash foundation, to apply. Chris Anderson Consulting can be found easily online. Thank you for all the work you do, and thanks for coming to the studio. Thank you very much. Special thanks to Porcano, Taqueria, Winderlea Vineyard and Winery, and Stormbreaker Brewing for supplying the meal for our last dinner with the local filmmaker. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer and editor is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.